Greetings. I'm Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. As you probably know, I'm your host. Each episode, we interview a city or a county leader who's in a position to share interesting and useful insights into the operations of local government right here in the Sunshine State. We're back on the West Coast. On the city, not the county, the city. I, I, I got to ask, is there another city, county, Palm Beach? There's a county, Palm Beach, and there's a town of Palm Beach. Well, we got the city of Sarasota, not the county. We did interview the county administrator uh, earlier this year. And, and, and Pat Robinson, you know, I, I, I keep going on about the pathway to become a city manager Different, different, different interior design, right? Planning, legal, lawyers who left the law practice to become city managers. Pat, I would have thought before going into this, there would be more people who came the pathway you did. You came. I got to read some of your resume. I don't normally do this, but it's impressive, okay? Thank you. Uniform Patrol Division, Sergeant, Criminal Investigation Division, Detective, Neighborhood Enforcement Team, Officer, Street Crimes Unit, Street Crimes Unit, Sergeant. Guess what he did for a living? <laughs> you wore a uniform, you carried a gun. I did, yes, sir, yeah. This How is, long uh, did you do that? Uh, 21 years, just under 21 years. I was at the Sarasota Police Department. So I, I grew up in Sarasota, uh, went to college up north, decided uh, I'd had enough snow. I got my taste of the uh, the, the northeast and, and came back to Sarasota, which is it really is paradise when you move away for a little while. You don't realize how great you actually have it until you see something different. Um, and I kind of fell into law enforcement. Honestly, my dad was a history or a pottery teacher. I was a history major. Um, and my mom worked part time and I literally fell into law enforcement because my father played, uh, or coached basketball with one of the recruiters at the PD, fell into it, um, loved the environment, loved the teamwork, loved the shared mission, vision, values. Um, and I stuck with it and rose up through the ranks. And uh, I ended up spending the last six and a half years as the number two at the PD, developed a relationship with the number two at the city, who was uh, Mr. Marlon Brown, the new city manager. Former uh, Leon County, my hometown employee. Right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right. Uh, and then you guys um, move around. We did. Well, I didn't move around for a long time. No, I mean, city decades. managers. Yes, and, and general, did, yeah. yeah. He and he, you know, Marlon is fantastic. Great guy. But he, uh, you know, I developed a relationship with him as sort of the number two at the public safety side and him as the number two at the city side and, you know, really coordinated back and forth. And uh, about nine months ago, maybe a little more than nine months ago, um, he asked me to consider stepping across the street, stepping out of the blue polyester um, and stepping into a larger management role. So it was because that was going to be my next question. How How'd you go from side A? Because normally it, there's a little adversarial nature between uh, those in the, the uniform and those who are in, in the bureaucracy, as it were. Uh, what was it like transitioning? Uh, you know, it, it was um, it was more difficult than I really thought it was going to be. Um, the cultures are very different in law enforcement. The structures are very different. They share a lot of things. And depending upon, you know, where you're from, you can have a very fully integrated um, public safety and bureaucratic side or your operations side. But really, at the, at the Sarasota Police Department, we really did have some siloing of information. There was, a, you know, there were a lot of redundancies that we were looking at. And Marlon had 
come in and said basically his task for me was to help integrate public safety services with the rest of the city services because although they're very different in uh, you know their outward appearance we're we're all there to serve our citizen base and to ensure that they're getting their value out of our services right they pay taxes they want to have a safe healthy family they want to have an area they want parks that they can play in they don't want to have potholes they don't want to have um, you know curbs that are crumbling they don't want to have wires down in their neighborhood really it all ties into public safety and as much as a lot of folks don't think about the public safety side of utilities water quality public works they're all integrated into our public safety mission and ultimately if you're not safe in your own neighborhood then it's not going to thrive economically and you're not going to have businesses that are going to open you're not going to have schools that are going to be uh, functional daycares you know everybody was worried about it's one of those things that the city government does that's invisible Mm -hmm. Um, and you're right safety is not just about nobody breaking into my car or carjacking me it's safety is about making sure when i turn on the tap that the water coming out is safe to drink and that when i flush it it goes somewhere where it's being safely processed and not being put back into my drinking water steve i can tell you that um you know humbly and I guess and to a certain extent a little embarrassed after spending over two decades at the police department you start seeing things just through your occupation right so for a very long time you look at it and everyone thinks as at the law and the law enforcement side of the policing side everybody's talking about the police right that's the only thing going on and nobody else is worried about that and when I made the jump over to the city what I found was the vast majority of people were really worried about noise some of the quality of life issues. Traffic. And traffic, really, honestly. I've, I've had uh, conversations with the uh, chief of police. Uh, chief Until Reiser. it's broken. Until I mean, it's broken, yes. Yeah, I mean, people, yes. people don't care about what you're doing as long as you're doing it right. Correct. And if law enforcement is, is, is being handled correctly, yes, yeah. we know there's going to be crime, but it's okay. But yeah. a tree falls down on a road, now suddenly we think about trees and roads. Absolutely. And that's, Absolutely. that's just the nature of city government. And, that, and you know, it is. I think we are, we're trying to become much more proactive in our approach to addressing those type of issues so you don't have the the communication breakdown that leads to frustration and the frustration leads to you know angry constituents and angry citizens that contact our bosses the elected officials and really end up creating more tension between government and our citizen base than really needs to be there a lot of it comes back to closing that feedback loop and i think to a certain extent i've been very lucky in my career to have worked under commands that took that very seriously so if you took an action, there was always the presumption that you were going to get back with the caller, to get back with the complaint, to get back with whomever was dealing with that issue. So it didn't linger out there and mm-hmm. create mistrust. Because in today's day and age, you know, the officers that are, that are out there on the street are really challenged on a day-to-day basis to make sure that they're making correct decisions in a timely manner and they're building the trust in the community. So you said one of the, one of the objectives that when, when Marlon brought you on to break down some of the silos between... Uh, those who walk around in uniforms for a living and those who don't. Could that have been done by somebody who did not wear a uniform? You know, I think that there are inherent... Yes, I do think that could happen, but I think it would take quite a while. And it's all about Because you have to first establish trust, and and if the law enforcement side of the equation are the ones who are um, uh, problematic, then you're not... uh, They're not going to trust that person inherently. Right. I think that there is always going to be... There's always going to be a challenge relative to communication. In reality, 
the oftentimes on the law enforcement side, they have a different language, you know, 10 codes, you know, there are, it's right, right, right. You know, everybody's got their, everybody's got their acronyms. Everybody's got their language. 10 four. But you, so you're, so you're speaking the law enforcement language. Right. And so I think Marlon's wisdom was, let me bring in somebody from law enforcement. If I'm seeing a problem, help me navigate that across. Has that been well received by the law enforcement end of the spectrum? You know what? Having spent 20 years there and being the number two for a very long time, it's all about building the relationship. So having the folks, quite frankly, my, my former boss, the former chief of police, and I selected the command staff. So they were really my captains. So it wasn't very difficult to come in and, and as in a different role and still have a, a very dialed in communication. Because they with still the see you as one of them. Absolutely. I think there was, I think when I made the move initially, you know, I think that it's like, well, why are you leaving? You know, you're leaving the family kind of a thing. And when I I have maintained my relationship with the chief of police and the command staff over there to an extent where we, when we have an issue, you know, we're able to dial in both the emergency management side or public works director. For example, we're, we're looking down the pipe of this tropical storm right now. Right. So my first phone call this morning was to the chief, to the city manager, my, my emergency manager, and that, that phone call took place and then that branched out into our public utilities director to ensure we're pre-staging our, our generators on our lift, our lift station because if it's a tidal event, an rain event, we, being a coastal community, you know, we do have some street level flooding. You know, you got some other problems that you got to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the great part about it is, is that we've developed this system. So it really requires about two phone calls and everybody is already communicating back and forth. So we're able to build those relationships a little bit better because everybody kind of up the chain reports to the same person. So it's not, you have issues over here and you don't hear about them and you have the public safety side that they don't talk to each other, you know, and we have good staff that does reach out to each other, but this way it's under one umbrella. So if I ask the emergency manager to take care of something, he can take care of it with the, the weight of knows, the office. You know, and it's, in, it's an interesting thing because you talk about planning, right? So you're planning, you, you've probably done your drills, you've done your rehearsals, you've done your emergency evacuation systems, you've done all your planning, and then when, when the plan needs to be then implemented, it's one or two phone calls. Everybody knows what to do. We interviewed um, the woman who was the city manager uh, at um, the Camp Fire, Fire in California, mm-hmm. which, which destroyed 85% of their infrastructure and their buildings in the community. It's amazing. Is, and it, it happened within like a three-hour period. At one point in time, the fire was moving at 100, I think she had 60 football fields a minute, mm-hmm. 60 football fields a minute. But I said, well, what did you do? She goes, I went to the emergency operations center. Nobody was there. I said, well, then what'd you do? She goes, nothing. What do you mean nothing? She says, because we had already had the plans in place. Everybody knew what to do. Everybody went out and did what they were supposed to do, including reversing flow of the streets, clearing people out, waking up people, getting them out. Everybody knew the plan. And that, that goes to planning. And I guess your law enforcement background because so much of the military, so much law is rehearsal, 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 mm-hmm. right? Whether it's a SWAT team or a hostage situation or whatever, you guys are constantly rehearsing. It's constant training, constant training, constant. And that's one of the things that I think that in city government, what what is one of the things that I've found is a little bit different. This, you know, this conference is a fantastic opportunity to get great training. In, in the law enforcement side, we... And you're made, about the Florida League of Cities annual conference. Yes, that, thank ahead. you, sir. I apologize. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. The, the, uh, but at the, at the, on the law enforcement side, you have state level mandates, you have training hours you have to complete. It's constantly training, you know, and if you're not meeting those benchmarks, you are absorbing an immense amount of liability. So developing internal training, we've really, um, 
actually another one of my uh, coworkers here, our intergovernmental relations manager, Stevie, we were just talking about some of the training that we're implementing as a, as a leadership and executive team just to have recurring training so that we're constantly dusting these things off with the department heads. And that's not just operationally, that's on the HR side, that's uh, yep. inclusion and diversity, just to, le- you can really reduce your liability if you take the time and make that investment in training on the front end, you will pay for it. I should say you'll pay much less on the back end and liability and mistakes that are going to get made, uh, you know, primarily. Well, and, and, it, and it is an absolute axiom, and it's an axiom for a reason, which is you can plan all you want, but when, when and it's actual game time, mm-hmm. things are going to go wrong. Things are going, nothing is going to be as planned. Uh, what's right. that old Mike uh, Tyson expression? Everybody has a plan until someone gets punched in the nose. That's exactly However, right. Getting the autonomic response systems working, getting the systems put in place allows you to deviate from the plan, which is a lot easier than deviating from chaos or no plan at all. So planning is absolutely essential. Funny, I did a, uh, after the Parkland shooting, uh, Senator Book uh, was gracious enough to organize an active shooter training seminar, a five-hour seminar. Um, unfortunately, two months later, after I had gone through this tr- seminar and I thought I was all geared up, ready to go, I was in another active. I wasn't at Parkland or near it. I represented and I was dating somebody who was living there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to dinner two months later, and there was a shooting upstairs from us, an active shooting situation. We did every single thing wrong. My business partner stood at the glass door and locked it and let people in and out. Had this person had a serious weapon, he'd have been a goner. We hid behind and crowded behind. You're, I know your skin's crawling. We crowded behind a glass counter. Probably like, not an effective barricade. Yeah, that, that, probably yeah. not. With, with visibility and yeah, glass, probably yeah. not going to stop bullets. Turned out he had a handgun and he committed suicide quickly. Right. Uh, but we did everything wrong. We were trained. So it speaks to... Sure. Uh, high-intensity training that's repetition, repetition, repetition. And, you know, the uh, as far as the California fires are concerned, you know, those those firefighters and the, those government officials out there, and my family it's actually lives in uh, Napa County, which was heavily affected by the yeah. fires. And it's scary, you know. My mom, was, my mother was taking pictures, and the fire was cresting over the hill near their house. So, you know, my little sister's husband's, brother lived in, I can't remember the time, the town was completely wiped off the map. There's nothing left. Paradise. That's it. Yeah. This was a city manager of Paradise. And she said she woke up in the morning and noticed the sunrise was, she was getting her coffee, getting ready in the morning. She noticed the sunrise was a different color. Yeah. So she called her chief of police uh, and then I think her emergency management person and they said, oh, it's over in the distant valley. It's nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. By the time she made it to the EOC, the flames were literally licking on the side of the building. Yeah. And that thing was just screaming across the town. And sa- thank God it happened at the time. It, now, obviously, we did wish it didn't happen at all. But right. she said, had it happened two hours earlier, we would all still been in bed. And people, the, I think they lost uh, a very low number of lives, like single digits. But she said, we, we, we could have lost half the town. Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know... We have our own set of issues here. Like I said, we water, water, and uh, and, and wind generally in, in one form or another. And you know these uh, low level, low grade storms. Although they are, you know, we tend to look at them as oh, it's just you know if you grew up grew up in Florida, if it's not a hurricane, it's not a cat a five. Who gives a damn? Right, basically. But these are great training opportunities. So we dust off our manuals. We we go through the drills. We make sure we have the right personnel at the right time. I mean, we're we're bringing in ten extra bodies. For this storm, just to ensure that if we do have flooding, well, we have listen, lights control. will go down, trees will fall, uh, and, and and when you have a water treatment plant, 
you got to worry about it overflowing because we talk about public safety. We don't want poop flowing into the streets. Just It's supposed to flow in one direction. Exactly, yes. away. That's right, that's right. <laughs> why don't more people, why don't we see more people going, crossing that bridge from law enforcement into city government or other governments like that? You know, I think, honestly, law enforcement is a closed cast. I mean, it's not really, you know, they talk about the blue wall, you know, the, the, the thin blue line. I think that it is, it, you get very, very comfortable and it becomes part of your identity. I think that um, with my background and, and some of the things that I've been exposed to education-wise and opportunities and, and leaders that I've been around, it's always been about service to the community. So I grew up in Sarasota. I worked in Sarasota for my whole career. Um, and I had an opportunity to serve my community in a bigger role. And so when you think about, well, you make a public safety impact, I did it. I did as much as I could in that polyester uniform and, uh, until I reached that top rank, right? And my chief wasn't going anywhere at that point in time and offered the opportunity. Instead of just making an impact in the law enforcement field, I'm actually able to make a much broader impact within the construct of that community because it gave so much to me on the front end. I really do feel pride in giving back to it on the back end. Um, why don't people make that jump? I think that you do get very, very comfortable in that, in that system. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the guys, I mean, I, I worked with these people. Literally, they were my family. I well, but it's also, day. you know, when you're in law enforcement, now you were in command staff, so you're not arresting people on a day-to-day basis. Correct. But yes. I have dear friends in the business who the, 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 the selection of people they come in contact with on a daily basis are not the finest in the world, right? And so their perspective of the world is very different because whether it's a trailer park, they don't see it as a trailer park. They see it as a, day, a haven of you know, ill repute and, 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 and meth. And so their perspective on the world is different. And, and I think what you're saying is it's easy to be comfortable. Everybody's a criminal. Everybody's going to be a criminal. Everybody wants to be a criminal because that's who I deal with all day. To break out of that mold and say, let me look on the other side of the equation here. Suddenly you realize people care about zoning. People care about development. People want to be able to kayak. People worried about the you know, wastewater treatment. Uh, what was that like for you to kind of, kind of go from a different worldview? Now, you were kind of an interim because you were command staff and you were in the police bureaucracy. Yes. But what was, that, what was that change in the world look like? You know, I think that it really opens your, it really opens your eyes and gives you some uh, much better, uh, gives you much more respect for those that came before you. Um, you know, there it, it Whenever you're in on the line level, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, why can't I have the newest this or the newest that? Even at the command level, you know, why aren't we getting a larger slice of the general fund? You know, this is ridiculous. We're always having to make those wires are just barely touching and we've got to make changes and they're not paying attention. Well, you know, once you step into the larger role, you go from seeing through a keyhole through the door is now open, right? Oh. You see the challenges that that the other department directors have been facing that you might not have even known about. You know, you're worried about your slice of the budget as opposed to the entirety of the budget as a whole, or you're just worried about the public safety side. And like I said before, public safety is not just red and blue lights and a, a polyester uniform and a gun. It means whatever it means to the individual that you're dealing with at that time. Now, that could be food insecurity, that could be homelessness, you know, that could be a whole set of issues that, Really, it don't. can't be solved by arresting somebody. Absolutely, and, and and quite frankly, a lot of my predecessors and and people that I uh, have a lot of regard for always said, you know, you're never going to arrest your way out of crime. Crime is really a sociological construct, and law enforcement in general usually is a 
it brings stability to a very insta- unstable uh, environment. And then the social program should prop that action up. You know, it is funny because we, we hold police departments, sheriff departments accountable for rise in crime. Mm-hmm. We, we laud them when there's a decrease in crime. But you're in a reaction mode. It's like blaming the catcher in a, in a baseball game for strikes and balls. Now, I get it's more complicated than that. Sure. It's probably a bad analogy. But you're, you're fixing something after it's broken. Mm-hmm. And you're arresting people who've committed crimes. If someone is, uh, let's, I'm, I'm doing a big research project on, on meth use. This, no law enforcement is not causing the meth problem. So arresting more people doesn't change the paradigm. You have to give people a social structure. You have to mm-hmm. give them hope. You have to give them inf- something to do, good schools, quality schools, stronger families, et cetera. So you can't blame the cops mm-hmm. for bad outcomes, but we do. Sure. Uh, sure. And so that's yeah. an interesting, I wish more people could make that transition because I think your broader view, plus you have to bring something to the table from law enforcement into the county, uh, into the city bureaucracy. What, what do you bring that's special and different uh, to the bureaucracy? Special and different. And I don't mean bureaucracy. People who know me, listen to my podcast, sure. I don't mean bureaucracy in a negative sense. Right, right. Absolutely. But you, you bring a different perspective. Well, I think that there's two things that I've found is, you know, there is a level of accountability and... It, very mission driven. I, I, I really do enjoy getting a task and completing the task. And, uh, you know, it is th- in this particular position, I have a, a veritable uh, cornucopia of issues that I can choose to expend my time on, whatever that might be. Either it's working with my public works director to, um, you know, push up a project in a neighborhood that's experiencing speeding, to uh, put in some traffic mitigation uh, measures along with the chief of police to enhance enforcement or put a decoy car out to slow speeders down that are cutting through neighborhoods to get to our uh, our corridors, or it's working with our local uh, marine research facility, Moat Marine, with our Marine unit, you know, getting them out there and, and getting those resources out there to get the manatees. You know, we're, we're having a little issue with red tide right now. So law enforcement dials in with our local uh, resource base to see how they can help with that or water testing. You know, it's, it's really a very interesting, it, it has really broadened my appreciation for how complicated that this profession actually is. You know, I think people take to your point, Steve, you, you know, you look at it and you go, well, the water, you know, you turn the sink on, it, it, it runs fine. The electricity cut, turns on when, when you throw the switch. There's a lot of stuff that gets taken for granted. And, uh, you know, I think coming on here over the last eight months and learning the things that I've been exposed to really has given me a much more, uh, a much greater respect for the processes that go on to make all of what seems to be just natural. Just just happens like Disney world. It just appears, right? I mean, it's wonderful all the time, but really the reality is we have hundreds of employees across thousands of employees across the state of Florida, whether it's your, your newest police officer, your, your newest firefighter, newest EMT to, to your newest assistant city manager, or somebody that's been in the field for 30 years, you know, we're all working towards making sure that it's seamless because sometimes I think the absence of the appearance of work is actually the the success, right? It no, is no, yeah. Cities, cities, are, people are most happy with their city when they're not upset. Not upset, <laughs> and they don't even know it's there. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, we, one of the questions we ask is uh, uniformly. We've been trying to work this in, and I asked this to you earlier, and I thought you gave an, a very interesting answer, which is the mistakes you've made in mm-hmm. your career that you learned from, and. 
there was no, no, nothing broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you said when you first came over, when you first crossed the bridge over, um, the, the adaptation to the environment caused you some anxiety. Talk a little oh, bit absolutely. about that. You know, I think it, uh, and, and being perfectly honest, I think going directly from uh, 20 years in, in uniform. And yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. This is going to happen. And, you know, you have a staff meeting and you look at your captain and say this, I want this done. And you have three hours to do it. You know, that's when it happens. And coming over to the other, to the other side, which in all honesty, and like we were talking about earlier, trying to break down that, that mantra, but going from what I would consider the sworn side or the, uh, you know, the blue side over to the, the, as you said, the bureaucratic side of things, you, you really have to slow down, right? The decision-making process is generally at the PD is reactionary to life and safety issues. So it's the decision-making. And, and it's, somewhat, it's quasi-militaristic. Absolutely. Yeah. If I give you an order, there's a clear structure, mm-hmm. a clear command was given, and you either do it or we're going to have we're gonna have problems later on. Someone else will be chosen to carry out that mission. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And the other person will be put into a different role. But it, when you step over onto the other side of government, I think that, at least for me, um, I carried some of that mantra, which I ne- don't necessarily think is a bad thing to have because it does have a lot of accountability metrics built into it. But I think you get reliant upon that rank structure to a certain right. extent. So you become much, you have to go away from being autocratic to be, being much more democratic. Um, and I wouldn't say democratic is an, oh, we're all going to have a vote here. But I think if I had to, if I had to say if there were, was a mistake that I made was not knowing what I didn't know or feeling that I had more information because I had been with the agency. There's more of a two-way street in, in, in other aspects of government. If it's, hey, we're having a lot of crime on Main Street. I need to increase patrols on Main Street. Hey, I need the traffic division to go ahead and patrol here. It's like, okay, we know what to do. Right. We know what the program is. But if you're talking about, hey, we probably need to have some town hall meetings about the new park because some people want it to be a bike park. Some people want it to be, they want a dog park out there. We're going to have to talk to the community. So your parks director said, well, hold on a second. Last time we did a charrette, it was overpopulated. Mm-hmm. The social media guy, let's work this out. So it's a little more give and take. Mm-hmm. And so you had to learn that a little bit late in life. Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know, it's one of those things. And, and the, the great thing for me at this point in my career is, you know, I have so much to learn. I mean, I, in all honesty, I, I am learning from each one of my subordinate directors on a daily basis that we have such a fantastic staff that really do put themselves out there and, and they make a difference every day that they put, they either strap a uniform on or they, they go out in their, their parks and rec vehicle or their front end loader or, you know, any of the, any of the things that we're, we're able to appreciate, it's not done by one individual. It, It really is a team effort. And just seeing how they all bring those little pieces of the puzzle together to facilitate, you know, the paradises that we do live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, we, we definitely have our issues and we work through them because, yeah, yeah. you know, we build our team. And it's just been, it's a, been a really exciting time in my career spending, spending the time that I have in law enforcement and really seeing a different side to things. Um, it gives you a really, I don't know how they did this stuff before. You know, you had computers. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I oh, my God. Cell phones. It, it is just amazing. We're, we're talking about the, the problems of social media and all the, the, the consternation of that. But on the flip side of that is 
the speed of communication, the speed by which we can get things done. So the technology has been a real. So we really speaking of that, we just rolled out an app in our in our municipality called Click to Fix. So it is a it's a GIS based Mm -hmm. uh, alert system, and I know that it has been it was based on a couple other um, uh, examples that we had seen in other municipalities, but. People love it. You know, they, they're able to literally click on something. You, you, it goes, GIS locates on your phone. Pothole. It goes right to the appropriate director, and then there's a feedback. Okay, I need, I need a commitment from you. I need yes, you sir. to come back on the show in a year, and I want to talk about that because okay. several people we talked to said, oh, my God, it was the worst thing ever because, first of all, we get 20 of those. Then it becomes mm-hmm. curb fix. Then it becomes county roads. Then it becomes right. uh, FDF.roads, roads, and, and they're make, we're making each other crazy with this, let's just let us have a plan and go. So we, there was one thing that our, our GIS folks did build in because it was a concern while we were developing it is a lot of people because of, and you mentioned it early, there's really only two towns or two cities that have both the county and the city name. So a lot of times our administrative staff is constantly fielding calls, and I'm sure it's the same at the county. You know, they're calling about something in the city or people are calling. Yeah, because they don't the know. No, no, it's Sarasota. I remember Sarasota. I was working with the mayor of West Palm and, and the post office, all of the unincorporated areas of, of Palm Beach County that are mainland, not on the island, which is ironic because the island is called, you know, they're called Palm Beach, is called West Palm Beach. So she said 60% of the calls they receive in the city are for county business, like waste pickup, flooding, uh, code enforcement. You're not in the city of West Palm. So, yeah, maybe the GIS could come back and go, sorry, county road. It actually will not allow you to enter a complaint if it's outside of our GIS boundary. A little, so, little sad face. <laughs> actually, we actually built in a metric that allows the end user to give a thumbs up or thumbs down, and we just instituted that last week, so oh, I'll, yeah, I'll be, be able good. to come back and I cannot yeah. wait. I cannot wait. By the way, I'm visualizing you coming over to the county staff, right? You're just law enforcement. You just hung up the uniform in the closet. There's a scene in, do you remember the movie Kindergarten Cop with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, yes, yeah. He's a cop, and he goes in and he demands that the kids sit down, and the kid just sits down and starts crying. I uh, that that's yet. Pat Robinson. Yeah, first day, the, hey, you, go get yeah, that for yeah. me. It wasn't uh, quite, <laughs> we, there was some coaching. You know, there was some mentoring before I stepped across the street. Like, you know, got to be gentle, right? You're not going to call you sir. Right. No, no. And, and again, we have, we have a really... We've got a really very talented group of of directors that have worked for us. I mean, I actually have our utilities director was a former uh, city manager. So, you know, I get to. These are top notch professionals. Yeah, these are people that I can extrapolate things from on a daily basis. And it could be something about my job that they've experienced in a prior job. I mean, we really, and that giving our past city manager, uh, Mr. Barwin and uh, Mr. Brown credit, you know, they really started building the team that we're utilizing now. And Marlon uh, has been able to select people from inside and outside that are coming in and sort of building our team, which is really an exciting, you know, Sarasota is going through sort of a, I would say, a building boom at this point. I mean, you know, we joke about the crane being the the, uh, the city bird, yeah, because they're everywhere, right? Um, you know, and that comes with its own challenges. It's it's an infrastructure drag. We need to talk. We need to have you know critical conversations relative to water usage, uh, capacity on our roadways. You know, really ensuring that we're connecting our 
our mass transit systems with the county to the appropriate points where people can get on and get off because we do have a barrier island and that's a heck of a problem mm-hmm. in season. Everybody gets upset when that backs up. So we're working with FDOT to come up with some roundabout solutions on our major roadways. That, that's that's an unsolvable problem, by the way, well, it, because yes. the people who live on the island don't want any more traffic. The people who are watching all that traffic, it's, it's like a big giant Chick-fil-A right in the middle of town. Right? Well, and, and I have a, a unique perspective because I have directed traffic at that traffic jam numerous times uh, in my career. And, you know, I've gotten both the phone calls after the fact and the conversations on the front end as the driver. What a unique perspective. By. I bet so, very few traffic engineers actually stood oh. out or assistant city managers, deputy city managers yeah. actually stood out on the street corner. Yeah. Well, I want to close with something. Um, the city of Sarasota. Uh, we all think we know Sarasota, right? Because it's, it's, uh, uh, if you're listing all the counties in Florida and, of course, the city-county name, we're going to always include that in there. You're not going to forget it. Um, larger, mid-sized county in a large media market, the largest media market in Florida. Uh, what's something we don't know that's cool about Sarasota, the city of? Gosh, you know, we have so many great things that are going on in our community right now. We have We have such an opportunity to really turn... Sarasota. We're, we're at a time period right now, like I said, not just on the development side, but we have something called the Bay Project, which is redoing the entire Bayfront. It's the largest undeveloped parcel where the Van Wezel Performing Arts Center is. That'll be a 52-acre parkfront property. It's not developed right now. It is paved over concrete. It was built back in the 60s, I believe, originally, and it really hasn't changed much. So it's a public-private partnership. It's been bonded through a... Um, in partnership with the county to appropriate tax dollars and private funds to develop this this wonderful project that's not only involved in filtering the water, but it's going to be a huge parcel of green space. We're talking about uh, working on a proposal for a new performing arts center that's going to be just adjacent to the Bay Project. And of course, I would be- That is exciting. I mean, it's really, if you see the view- I remember talking to newly elected mayor of Tampa, Bob Buckhorn, about relocating the medical facility downtown, building this beautiful river walk, working with Jeff Finnick, uh, who owns the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the convention center. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the Lightning's uh, uh, stadium, whatever you want to call it, is right there. Yeah. And creating this incredible downtown. And when I get in Tampa, I can't get enough of it. Oh, it's and fantastic. Between biking all the way down Bay Shore, all the way up on that river walk with the lights and the people and the energy and the parks, it's exciting. And you're going to have something like that. We have, a, we have the opportunity to really do this right. And I think we have the right partners in place that are working with us to make this really great. And we're also going through, you know, we, we've had one of the most historic uh municipal owned golf courses in the state. So we're actually going through a, um, well, we just went through our ITN and, and construction bids for the Bobby Jones golf complex. And so we're working with the county, with FDEP, with our conservancy to set aside, um, in perpetuity, a, um, a parcel, of, a large parcel of land, and I wish I could remember the, the acreage, but it's a, a large swath of that which will be kept as a, a conservation easement along with redevelopment of our municipal golf course that will tie directly into the county park's master plan. And I mean, it, 
if well, at all. Well, what I love what you said is the water recharge aspect. When oh, we yeah. pave things, so we saw what happened in Houston when yep. you pave everything over. The water has no place to go, and it doesn't go where you want it. Just Absolutely. in case anybody wasn't sure of that, it goes water it generally go. doesn't go where you want it to go unless you send it there. And having water recharge areas while creating recreational opportunities oh. is fantastic. I think they were talking millions of gallons of water will be filtered through that project before it hits Philippi Creek and then into our bay. So excellent, excellent. That's project. fantastic. Pat Robinson, deputy city manager and public safety administrator yes, to two hats you wear city of sarasota dude thank you so much oh, this is fantastic absolutely appreciate thank you. it folks this has been the uh as you know the city florida city and county management association podcast i'm steve van Cor. thank you so much for being with us